Ciao a tutti, prima di tutto grazie per averci ascoltato ancora Kiat Clinic solo in promemoria i 30 sterlini sono ancora disponibili. Seguite at The Clinic Podcast per maggiori dettagli. Grazie! <laughs> Hello everyone, first of all thank you for still listening to us here in The Clinic. I am very grateful for everyone that has started an episode or has carried out since the first single episode that we've done here i know it's taken too long uh, to finish it but <laughs> priorities uh, just a reminder the 30 quid is still available up and running follow at the clinic podcast for more details cheers <laughs> <laughs> right hello and welcome back to another episode right here into the clinic no it's not the radio version of embarrassing bodies it's where your conversations are unserious and personal and where your opinion is key my name is chris and i will be your therapist just for today now i hope everyone had a good fortnight hope everyone is sleeping well with the decisions they made in the past two weeks whether big or small wrong or right it's in the past you know it's in the universe's hands now lads that's how rejection works you were just that funny friend and we just have to move on from that and but regardless i'm proud of you you know why because you miss all the shots that you don't bloody take it's just not the right shot selection lad you just can't shoot it from the corner yet but let's take that first step of recovery <laughs> and i guess this is the first step let's move on to this new episode of your favorite safe space the clinic so before we waste any more time let's welcome our guest for this week on the plinth all the way from the city of saints in quebec montreal lies the heaven sent goat in other ways known as the guru of all talkers he is also a firm believer in a future where everyone has clean and safe water not just in summer our guest is a member of the spring charity water and just like the avatar he has found new ways of bending elements to help you master not only your spirit but as well as your talk semi-professional listeners of the clinic and alike please welcome the man the myth and the host of Master Talk, Brendan Kumarasami. Please tell us how you're feeling. <laughs> Dude, Chris, that was the best introduction I ever got out of all the shows I've been yes! on. Thanks for such an, <laughs> such on, an honor. On. No one's Thank called me much. an avatar before, so I appreciate it, man. Oh, man. But how are you feeling, man? Life is great, man. Can't complain, man. But I, I literally cool, can't match your level of excitement. I, I think I got to pump myself up a bit more. <laughs> Quick question for you, though, Brendan. You know, many of us contemplate our dreams. You know, many wonder whether if they have meaning or not. My question to you is, what was your dream when you were growing up of what you wanted to be uh, when, you come, when you came of age? Yeah, for sure, man. You, you know, my first dream was actually to be a stand-up comedian. And then I looked at their lifestyles and I said, oh, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be a stand-up comedian. But that was, uh, that was the dream. And then after I... I, I kind of made a decision. It was kind of weird when I was in high, when I was in uh, elementary school, the career counselor came up to us one day and said, you need to figure out your future. So I just said, well, I guess I, I guess I got to figure out my future. So I went home, I looked at my report card and I noticed that I was only good at one subject, which was math, everything else I knew nothing about. So I looked up all the math careers on the internet back when the internet was like using dial up and stuff. It was like back wow. in the day. It was crazy, crazy time. Historic. So, yeah, <laughs> historic. It's like the 1700s or something. But anyways, so, so I typed all the careers and I landed on two careers. Actuary. And I was like, what the hell is that? And the second one is accountant. 
Okay. Looked up actuary and it said, calculate the statistics of somebody dying. I was like, it looks like I'm not going to do that. So I chose <laughs> to be an accountant, basically. And right. I, never, I never changed my mind until a couple of years ago. But yeah, that's, that mm-hmm. was the journey. Obviously, we mentioned in your introduction, you are essentially the quote-unquote GOAT, per se, guru of all talkers. Uh, you coach people on how to speak with confidence and how to present themselves with more passion, let's say. Uh, so my first question to you, Brendan, is what inspired you to take your first approach on teaching other people to communicate and talk us through your journey of becoming a speaking coach? Yeah, for sure, Chris. So, so what happened essentially when I was in university, I used to do these things called case competitions. So think of it like professional sports, but for nerds, right? So other guys my age were playing, you know, footy, rugby, cricket, you know, t- taking right. sports in the UK. And I kind of just said- I like uh, that you used footy as well. Oh, I applaud you so much, Brandon. Thank you very course. much. I mean, of course, if I'm the master of talkers, I got I to gotta play to the culture, right? <laughs> love that. I love that. So I wasn't into that stuff. I wasn't very good at sports and never particularly liked sports, but I used that competitive spirit and applied it to presentations. So for three years, Chris, I did this competitively. So I presented hundreds of times, coached a bunch of people on communication to get a corporate job in Montreal, like where I'm from in Canada. So when I got that job that I wanted, I just asked myself the simple question, which is how do I make a difference in the world? How do I make a change? And that's when I realized that the communication content on YouTube was horrendous. You hear advice like, yo, Chris, just be yourself, man. You're just like, what am I supposed to do with this stuff? So it was just a bunch of useless nonsense. Mm-hmm. Videos in my mother's basement, thought it was a stupid idea. And then a year and a half later, here we are today, man. You mentioned about making a difference in the world, which, uh, which leads me to uh, mention about Spring Charity Water. So uh, just tell us what's that about and how you became a member of it. Yeah, for sure. So, so Charity Water is an organization that's also based in London. The office is in, in New York and London. And basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to create a world where everyone has access to clean drinking water. So Scott Harrison is, um, is the founder of Charity Water. And he's just a super smart person. Like, you know, he used to be a nightclub promoter in New York. And he used a lot of the marketing skills that he got from the club scene and applied it in philanthropy. Storytelling, branding, messaging. He applied a lot of those techniques he learned today is now with Charity Water. So he's raised hundreds of millions of dollars for the cause. And I highly recommend his book, Thirst by Scott Harrison. I think it's a fantastic read for anyone who wants to get better at communication and also see how somebody applies that knowledge. And it's also very optimistic. You know, most of us, Chris, when we think about the world, they're going to go, oh, you know, I got all these problems. So let me just keyboard warrior and just type a bunch of nonsense. That's <laughs> going to solve anything. Whereas yeah. this guy is like, here's a problem. And I've solved 2% of it. I was like, whoa, this dude is not like playing around. Like he's actually solving this problem. He's yeah. actually doing something important. So that's mm-hmm. why I've been, I'm a big fan of his work and his book. So I try my best to help him in any way that I can. And obviously, if you are listening to this episode currently, um, go check out the book that Brendan has mentioned. And if you want to check out more of Brendan's content and how to be a better speaker, go to his YouTube account at Master Talk. Brendan, I have a confession, man. Um, well, let's say it's an unpopular opinion. Maybe unpopular, maybe popular, depending on how you see it. Um, I enjoy public speaking and being in front of people and performing whatever I'm doing in front of multiple persons. I try to enjoy every moment of it. And in those moments when I'm speaking, I envision myself encapsulating 
different attributes of personal icons depending on the performance. So for example, Brendan, um, when I want to be funny, I try to think of Dave Chappelle. When I want to have when I want to have high energy in front of people, I think of Lil Uzi Vert. And when I want people to shut up and listen to me, I think of Ricky Gervais. So my, my question to you, Brendan, is do you have anyone you look up to or when it comes to public speaking, maybe an inspiration? Yeah, so the first one's Scott Harrison, right? So the CEO of Charity Water, I just think he's an incredible speaker. But besides Scott, uh, Seth Godin comes to mind as someone who's, who's really strong at what he does. Gets people to, you know, fund his charity and fund his dreams. But besides, I would say Seth Godin is somebody that I admire a lot. I think Seth's a, it's a, he's a machine of presentations. He can talk about anything at a world-class level. And I just think the way that he flows with this presentation, how he speaks is really impressive. And he's prob those two are probably my greatest teachers. Let, I'm going to give you a scenario now. Uh, let's say I'm a new client. Uh, approaching to you from Master Talk, I've watched all your videos, I've gained all the tips, and still I'm 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 frustrated that I can't soak it in. Um, I have a history of freezing up in previous presentations. I can't breathe before our presentation, and I can't leave the house a week after the press. You get what I'm saying? So, what would be yeah. your initial advice for someone who has fear of talking in front of people? Yeah, you know, the first thing I would do, Chris, I would apologize. I was like, crap, if you watched all my videos and you didn't get anything out of it. The first thing. Second thing, the apology, is I would ask you one question. And the question is, how would the world change if you were a phenomenal communicator? How would the world change if you were one of the best speakers in the world? The reason why most people don't like communication, Chris, is because of the perception around it. So you perceive communication as something fun. It's a way to share an idea. It's a way to make a difference. That's why you're this cool podcast host who's like, who's got these crazy introductions. They're awesome. <laughs> most people, most people perceive public speaking as a chore. Right. right, you know the you know the kids that you grew up with in Leeds, right? They they're sitting there and they're like, I'd rather play footy than give a presentation. Like this sucks. Right, right, like, right. It's it's a chore. It's an obligation. They don't have a podcast. They're just like, oh, I hate this. Change the perception of how you think of public speaking, because we need to remember, Chris, public speaking has very little to do with presentations, my friend. It is just everything that you do. It's the tough conversations you have with your loved ones. It's the way that you date. It's the way that you negotiate deals. It's the way that you interact with strangers on the street. Every interaction you have is communication. Right. So when you start to understand how the world would change if you got better, you don't need to be this uh, world-class speaker, but the way that you interact with the people that you love will be better. The quality of your life will improve if you master communication. That's why I'm so passionate about it. So that's the first thing I would do. Let me try and give you another scenario, Brendan, uh, before we go into our little game that we have for this episode. Let me give you this uh, scenario. So I, I message a girl, right? right? Let's say I'm meeting someone new. Uh, we schedule a date for Thursday because that's the only day I'm free. How can I approach, if I, if I have a history of freezing up, not only in front of multiple people, what about one person? How can I approach new people better? That's a great question. 
So essentially what you're asking, Chris, whether it's in the context of dating or just general interaction, is how do we build more meaningful relationships in our lives? Relationships are romantic or whether those relationships are, hey, let's be friends and, and keep it and have a great vibe. Yep. So building on that, the way that I approach it is very different than most. So most people go, man, how do I get to this event, this bar, this club, and how do I get everybody to like me? I think that's a losing battle, right? That's what, that's what people who, who don't understand what they truly are do. You know, they seek validation from different types of people and they try and get what they want. Whereas I think that's the wrong approach. My approach is asking the following question. How many people do you actually get to meet in your life? Right. Let's assume that you're going to live 50 years, Chris. I hope you live long. You'll probably live a lot longer than 50, but let's just say it's 50. Yep. Yeah. And every day you get to meet one new person, which is optimistic. Chances are you won't meet one new person every day. You'll probably meet less. But let's play out the math. So every year you'll meet 300 people. So once again, I don't want to make this a math class for those who are listening. But if you just do the quick maths on this, you know, 50 yeah. years times 300 is 15,000. So the question we need to ask ourselves is not, how do I get everyone to like me? How do I get this girl to like me? How do I do this date thing? No, no, no. The question we need to ask ourselves is who do we want those 15,000 people to be? There's billions of people in the world, Chris. Billions. What the B? And we only get to meet 15,000. It's probably going to be less, maybe 10,000, 5,000. When you think of relationship building from that perspective, the actions that you take will change because you might tell yourself, you know, I really like books. Why am I going to clubs? I should be going to a book club and talking with other people who like books. And then if you meet a girl or a boy or something, that's much more meaningful than saying, well, I don't really know. So I'm just going to go to all these random events and then, Oh, why doesn't anybody like me? Well, you're not really picking the right environment. I'll give you a personal example. Right, right. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of this podcast called The School of Greatness. Okay, Lewis right. House is the host of the show. And Lewis has an event every year in the middle of nowhere. It's in Columbus, Ohio. Like, I'm sure you've never heard of it. <laughs> I think it's that's like, where Dave Chappelle is, right? Columbus, Ohio. Yo, dude, you're actually pretty good at that. Yeah, exactly. He's, somewhere, he's in a farm somewhere yeah, in Ohio. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know which city he's in. But, but that's the point, right? So it's in the middle of nowhere. So yeah. the question we need to think about is why did I go? Why did I go? Because if you're going to that event, Chris, you're only there for one reason, which is to the, attend the event and meet other people there. Definitely. So everyone who goes is a fan of the show, which right. means every person you talk to is gold. Like, it's not like you're at a club and people throw their drink in your face. And you're just like, this is stupid. I'm not yeah. even trying to be rude here. It's everyone is just like, let's say when I went there last year, and this is not an expensive ticket. It's like two, three hundred bucks. It's not like three thousand dollars to attend this thing. Mm. So, so I go up to people and I go, "What are you passionate about?" I don't know these people; they're strangers. Every single person, dude, they put their hand on my shoulder and they just went, "But Brendan, what are you passionate about?" <laughs> just went, dude. Right. This is fucking weird. It's <laughs> like this is weird, but it was the best seventy-two hours of my life. Right. That's what I want for more people. So, how does this translate to everyone who's listening? Mm. This translates to the following. If you have an obsession with pens, you just like collecting pens and mm. nobody understands. Like, I don't understand that shit. You don't understand that. But my advice to you is don't waste your life going to random events. Instead of going to Cuba this summer, 
take those hundred dollars, you know, two, three hundred dollars, and go to the best pen collecting conference in the world. You'll meet people that will blow your mind because they understand you. So if you fidget in those scenarios, if you're scared, if you're worried, it won't matter. They'll still like you because you are a part of the tribe. Go find the tribe. And I tr trust me, you know, the relationships will come as you start meeting people that you actually want to talk to. That's Definitely. my advice. That's very inspiring as well because um, for me, I've struggled uh, personally. I've struggled looking, my own, looking for my own tribe. And as soon as I've landed in Leeds, I felt like I was right at home, you know, and my skill for public speaking, I, I enjoy it more, you know? So I think that is one advice that everyone can take on. Go and look for your peoples, go and look for the people that will truly understand you for who you are. Right, but, but brother, like even, even to make this, make this a coaching session for you, like you've already found your tribe, it's easy. It's podcast hosts. Go to a pod fest everyone's a podcast host. You can talk about your shows. It's super awesome. Oh, you got a show. I got a show. What's your show about? Everyone's going to be super interested here. You're like, you're, you're from Leeds. That's so cool. That's what, that's your tribe, bro. That's like one of many tribes that you can be part of. Everyone's got one. You just need to be willing to find that interest, to be willing to express that interest and go for it. You won't regret it. Trust me. You know, with all the knowledge that you have gained throughout your career of being a speaking coach, is there anything that you would tell yourself when you first started out be becoming a speaking coach and when you first you got client is there any advice that you would give to that person absolutely the the advice is simple show don't tell so what do i mean by this so when i started coaching executives when i was 23 chris right so it was really weird right you know so, you know you're coaching people in their 40s and they're taking your advice and you're just they're like am i actually equipped to do this so the you know, I always think, you know, I always tell young people, since I'm still young, I mean, I'm 24, it's not like I'm in my 30s or anything. I always tell people the same thing. And that advice is, it's not that you're young, it's that you have a head start. If you're this savvy at this age, you listen to a podcast like this, you're in your early 20s, and you're a part of this conversation, it doesn't mean you're younger, it doesn't mean you're less experienced, it just means you have a head start. Right. It means you started asking the hard questions about life early. So what show don't tell means is if you're starting a business, you're starting a movement, you, start, you have a great idea to make cupcakes. I don't really care what it is. As long as you care about it, that's what matters. Mm -hmm. The advice is don't tell people what you do. Don't go, hey, Chris, I'm a speech coach. No, 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 show them. Right. Show them what you do. Here's my YouTube video, watch it. They're like, whoa, okay. Like this guy doesn't mess around. Mm. Same thing, don't tell people you make cupcakes, let them try a sample. Let them experience the ideas you have. Mm -hmm. Let them experience who you are and what you stand for. And if you do that faster, the insecurities that you'll have will go down because everyone around you will go, yo, you actually know what you're talking about. That's what helped me at the beginning. Because at the right. beginning, I was like, oh, crap, all these PhDs in, on YouTube uh, have done this for 10 years. And then all my, all my students, all the people I was coaching in my 20s, they were like, bro, you run circles around these people. Right. Like you run circles. Like they don't present as many times as you do. I needed that confidence for other people. I needed other people to tell me that. So that's mm -hmm. my advice for, for young people out there. Show, don't tell. So have you ever played a game of overrated or underrated and why? No, man, but that sounds cool, man. I love it. Let's so it. the premise of the game is I give you a subject and you will give your opinion on whether why it's overrated or underrated. So are we ready? 
That's super fascinating. I'll definitely steal that from you. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> Great. So this is um, this may be correct researching or not. Uh, so we'll give it a try. Our first subject for our overrated or underrated and why is Toastmasters International. How do you feel about that? Dude, you've done your homework. I love it. <laughs> underrated. Toastmasters is a nonprofit organization whose goal is to create amazing speakers around the world. So basically what they do is independent people open clubs in their own city. So there's like 16,000 clubs around the world. There's one in every city, unless you, you live in like an island or something, then I can't help you. <laughs> yeah. but like you live in like some, I don't know, some deserted island. But for most part, like if you live in a big, like Leeds definitely has a Toastmasters club. Most likely. Definitely. Right. So yeah. I've actually spoken at a lot of the clubs in the UK just online because obviously because right. <laughs> of COVID. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, man, uh, there's actually clubs around the world. So you just go to a club that's near you. You go on toastmasters.com mm-hmm. and then and you could just search for one and you just attend. The first couple of events, uh, meetings are actually free. So you can just go experience it. So I highly recommend. So, right. so the reason I think Toastmasters is underrated is because it is one of the few environments in the world that allows you to come together, focus on public speaking. That's not very expensive. It's mm-hmm. like a hundred bucks a year. I'm a huge fan of Toastmasters. The only thing I would add to the conversation is the evaluators in a Toastmasters club are not generally world-class and that's not the fault of the club. It's because when you get really good at public speaking, Chris, you right. generally don't have time to be a part of Toastmasters anymore because now you're speaking for money. You're a president. You're a politician. Definitely. You're a speaker. You're a podcast host. So you don't have time. Anymore. So all the best evaluators always leave. So what I do, what I recommend people to do is join a club near you and use the tips in my video because I'm because I coach like real like those people right and I obviously charge them a lot of money and I don't want people on the show to pay me anything so what mm-hmm. I want you to do is take the videos that I have the free stuff take the tips and bring them to your club right. so that way everyone gets better and then you get better feedback and you all get better together because the mm-hmm. reason I got better was because I was a part of this weird elitist presentation cult group when I was in university right. where I would present every day pretty much. Cause we would, cause I would train students to go to like Thailand and present presentations. Right. So that's how I got better. And I want that accountability group for everybody. So definitely underrated hundred percent. Living in Montreal, Canada. How is that for you? Overrated or underrated and why? Dude, the most underrated thing in the world. Right. <laughs> Montreal is the best. Let me tell you what, that's why I never left by the way. I'm still here. Brag like, I'm born it, and Brandon raised. For us. Brag about it. Yeah, yeah, of course. But Montreal is like one of the best cities on the planet. I'll explain why. Mm. My rent. <laughs> Period. My he doesn't rent. need to say anything more. It's Just done. his rent. <laughs> 700 bucks a month. 700 wow. Canadian. Wait, what is that? Like 400 pounds, 500 pounds a month. I live with my mother and sister. We all live in the same house. We split the rent. So my actual rent is two three hundred dollars a month that is crazy the only bad thing about montreal only thing Mm. is you get taxed a lot like my tax rate is like and i don't even make that much money it's probably 50 55 percent but i get free health care like so i don't i don't complain about life dude the food's amazing here everything's great the only caveat that's challenging for people is if you don't know french it's tough to live in the city but since i'm born and raised here i know french right so Mm -hmm. it's not like uh not an issue. So yeah, I'll probably die in the city, yeah, most likely. <laughs> I don't like. I thought about it, dude. Like I thought about leaving, like moving to LA and stuff. Because mm-hmm. you know I'm a YouTuber, so yeah. influence game is bigger there. 
I was like, yo, a lot of those people are superficial. I could take a flight there. It's che- Dude, it's cheaper to take a flight to LA and back every month than living in LA. Because LA is like $3,000 a month, US. And exactly. a round trip from Montreal to LA, direct, not like uh, two-way, right. is 1,000 Canadian. It's like 700 bucks. I'm better off living here, taking, <laughs> like never getting into traffic. Anyways, yeah. I, just, I just love Montreal, never leave. <laughs> Uh, for the listeners what what is your go-to food in montreal canada yeah i would say that the nourriture that i prefer the most is poutine that's sure right you know poutine is the is the best it is the golden milestone of of our city i actually had some last night so it's really so i would say the poutine what i mean the poutine is incredible It's a, wow. I'm saying it's amazing, basically. Yeah. It's basically fries with yeah. cheese and gravy. It's, right. uh, it's, it's not very good for your health, but man, do I endorse it. it. Our last overrated or underrated and why, considering that we're in the time of social distancing, wearing a mask and having some weird anti-maskers out there, what do you feel about public speaking events on Zoom? Would that be overrated or underrated and for you? Ah, that's a tough one, though, because you can argue both sides. I'm going to say underrated. You'll, you'll notice I'm a pretty optimistic guy. Pretty much everything in my life is uh, underrated. <laughs> so, so here's what I think. Okay, let, let me set some context here. I wasn't too happy when all my events got canceled, right? I wasn't, the, I wasn't jumping for joy when I had, like, I had events in Amsterdam and, mm. like, Jordan. Like, I was Can gonna, I just like, ask you quickly how, uh, on, uh, um, round up the number, how many events you were canceled off? Fuck. I don't know, man. Like, 30. That's crazy. <laughs> 25. That's crazy. I don't, it, it was definitely double digits. Like, it wasn't under 10. Like, I had, I had a lot planned for this. Year. Right. And it's not just me speaking, by the way. It's, it's also me attending conferences and, like, going to events, like, right, as an right, attendee. Right. Like, Lewis's event. Like, I wanted to go, and obviously, COVID canceled everything. Mm. And that's okay. Like, that sucked. But the reason it's underrated, and this virtual event also includes the conversation here, is we never would have met But if I never did, if I never did a podcast, because I was never planning on guesting on shows. I never even thought about it. I was just like, oh, I should like go to events, meet people in person and grow my, my practice and my YouTube following that way. Mm. But then after COVID hit, I was like, oh. And then what I realized, man, is this online thing a lot easier to meet a lot more people. Because normally, and this is just the truth, guys, for those who are listening, like people are famous. It's not that the, or not, I'm not famous, sorry. Uh, people who are like very, yeah, because I'm really not. But people <laughs> who, are, uh, who are like very famous, right? Like Matthew McConaughey, things like that. Like people are actors and stuff. It's like they don't want to be on shows or it's just they can't because there's just too many requests. Right? There's like right. hundreds of people. You're just, they're like, what the, I'm not like that. Maybe I get like one pitch a day or something. Maybe two. <laughs> But like, you know, still. Because yeah. it's like an hour of your time and it's like tricky mm-hmm. and stuff. But now when, it, when you're online, it's like you could say yes to everybody. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have to fly out. I don't have to like fly out to Leeds and then take an airplane and like get exactly. to you and then do the show. No, I can just do it on Zoom and just keep going with a bunch of shows, meet a bunch of people and add some right. value wherever I can. So definitely underrated. There's, it's, online is the best way to scale your ideas to reach millions of people. Like I would nev- I've never visited Leeds. Right, so now I get to talk to people in that community that are from Leeds, awesome. <laughs> yeah, which is and great. hopefully I'm representing them well enough. Uh, you Brendan. are. You're, you're doing an awesome <laughs> job. Um, let's say 
you know, you've, I've taken in your advice, right? I've, I've gone to the club that I feel like I belong to. I meet this person. I think she's amazing. Ticks all the boxes. You're certain that you're attracted to her as more than a friend uh, from the moment that you set eyes on her. So my question really is how can I make sure of a good first impression upon meeting her? <laughs> That's the secret, man. Here, here, here's the thing I, I think about. This is how I think about it. Yeah. Some people are meant for you and some people aren't. And your okay. goal is to figure out which ones are. I'll, 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 be, I'll give you a personal example. Right. Okay. I love asking people, girls, women, guys, very difficult intellectual questions. So if they don't like it, trust me, they won't like me. Right. So for example, you know, when I met at an event, I was at an event a couple of months ago before COVID hit and I'd go up to girls and I would just ask them or, you know, guys, same thing. I would just ask them questions like, what is the truth that you believe in that most people disagree with you on? What are you passionate about? What do you care about? And some people take offense to that. They go, well, really? I don't know. I don't want to answer that question. Yeah, some people do. Not everybody. Some people do. And I go, mm-hmm. perfect. Bye. Go to the next person. And then the next girl you talk to goes, oh, actually, it would be blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, okay, this is awesome. Yeah. That's how I think about it. I don't think it's about making the right first impression. I think it's more about can you show curiosity in the other person? Can you show interest in the other person? And then as you do that, they'll start to take an interest in you. Definitely. I think that's correct and everything like that. And I think, you know, curiosity starts with active listening. You know, I feel that uh, being a good listener is as important as being a good speaker. What would your advice be for someone who kind of struggles with that concept? How, what would you say to people or advise them on how to be a good speaker? I mean, good, a uh, good listener. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I got it, man. So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing, Chris is the following. The way you need to practice listening is not how you usually do it. What do I mean by this? Let's say me and you are in this conversation right now. We're talking, this is not a good way for me to practice listening because half of me wants to listen to you but the other half needs to answer the questions, right? So I'm in a spot where I can't really listen to you fully because I need to keep answering. Because if I don't answer anything, well, then what's the point of having me on the show? Mm -hmm. So what's the strategy? The strategy is the people who are listening to us. The magic of active listening, the best way to practice active listening is to listen to a conversation that is already over. What do I mean by that? When I was in university, like you, which wasn't too long ago, I'm only three years older than you. So when I was in uni, right. I sucked at listening. I'm very extroverted. As you can tell, I make a great guest. I yell a lot. I talk a lot. Right, right, right. But I sucked at listening. So how did I get better? Not by talking to other people, because I would just talk all the time and it wouldn't work. What would happen is that I would listen to 10 hours of podcasts every week. Why is this important? It's important because I couldn't reply even if I wanted to. Right, right. I can't say anything. So the only thing I'm forced to do is sit there in a bus, listen, and take notes. That's what I recommend for people. As they're listening to this conversation, understand this is the best way to master listening. The people are listening to us. Do that a lot more. Do it once, one hour a week, two hours a week, five hours a week. And then your listening skills will get better dramatically so that when you go back to normal conversation, you're talking to real people, it's a lot easier for you to spend 90% of the time listening. Listen to every single episode of The Clinic, man. 
Um, it's a good waste of your time. <laughs> no, no, that's the wrong way. That's the wrong word. Not, it's a good use of your time. Sorry. Um, you so, you know, in general, let's go back to that first impression question, right? Um, so you've demonstrated you're an active listener. You've sparked curiosity. You've gained also. How important is body language with the things that you've paired from the advice that you've given from previous? How, would, how important would you say is body language? Right. So, so for me, it really depends on the context. So if we're talking about presentations where I'm public speaking to a group, I wouldn't pay too much attention to body language because I think body language is something that you should focus on later. I know a lot of experts say body language, body language, body, but Hey, yeah. look, let's relax for a second. If you're not getting your filler words, right. Why are you focusing on where your hands are? As you notice, I move my hands all the time as I'm speaking to you and you right. don't seem to care. Right. That's the point. Body language is secondary until you master the basics. Eye contact. You know, can you actually stare into somebody's eyes? You're talking to them instead of doing this. Uh, uh. Right. When you're in a one-on-one conversation, though, Chris, it changes, mm-hmm. especially for in-person. Body language does matter, but only certain aspects of body language. One of them being, are you facing me? So, for example, if I'm not, if I'm like facing over here and I'm talking to you, you're like, well, this guy's not paying attention to what I'm saying, Definitely. right? So, so that's a good example. But the reason I don't spend too much time focusing on that, that's basic. Like you should know that, right? This is kind of basic, uh, obvious. But the non-obvious part is saying, let's focus on the foundational elements of public speaking first. And then we get better at presentations or better at conversations, which ends up making us better at everything. And then as we start to tweak, then we start to look at body language. Then we start to look at where are your hands? How are they moving? But in general, it doesn't really matter in my opinion. And I think with all of those, if you do go into that club and you find the right person for you, and I, all of those will help. And if you want more free tips from Brendan, uh, our guest here today, go check out his YouTube channel at Master Talk. Now, I have a question coming in from the assistant, Trisha, which I normally bring in, um, in frequently in episodes. So thank you for the question again, Trish. Um, she says, you walk into a room, right, Brendan? Loads of people, loads of people, probably... 50 um (laughs) pre-covid if it were up to you would you rather surround yourself with either extroverts or introverts the reason i asked that question is because i'm a quite loud and extroverted person as you can tell with high energy most of the time i feel more comfortable around introverts because it makes me feel as heard you know what i'm saying so my question to you is would you rather surround yourself with extroverts or introverts that's interesting There's a couple of ways of looking at this question. I would say the general answer is I only care to talk to very smart people. Those are the people that interest me, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. So what I really look for is critical thinking and thought process and who you are as an individual. So I'm friends with introverts and extroverts, people who are loud, people who aren't. But what I have found is there's this unexplainable energy on whether or not you vibe with someone. That's why for me, relationship building is all about filtering. If you want to talk to, you want to talk to somebody, you know, that's, you're going to spend a lifetime with talking to enjoying their company. You need to go through a lot of people. That's just the nature, really? right? Every, that's what I found. This is a personal example. I'll get an example. All right. Okay. 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 Let's help us understand this. Okay. So I, as you can probably tell from my career and everything I've done so far, I've met thousands of people at this point from, from the beginning of life. 
you probably too, you seem like a pretty extroverted guy. And then the introvert, you know, you, you've, they've met probably a thousand to 2000. I've probably met four to 5,000, maybe. Mm. Let's, let's put a number. Yep. The question I have for you, Chris, how many friends do you actually think I have? Is that a question? Or I, do I have to That's guess? A question. I'm curious what you'd say. Um, like close friends, I'd probably say around about 30, 20 to 30. No? No, no, go lower. Um, 15. Go much lower. 10? Number six. Wow. Right. I only have six friends. Right, right. That's it. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, Chris, right? There's a, well, the, for me, my definition of a friend is very different. For me, it's like if my mother was sick, like they would come, right? So, that, mm-hmm. so it's very, so very close, like knit group. But I only yeah. talk to close knit group. I'm a busy person. I can't talk to everybody, mm-hmm. right? And, and I, I'm saying this to prove a point, not because I'm special or anything. <laughs> right? That's not the point. No, I got you. I got you. The reason I'm saying this is at the end of the day, you're only going to buy with a certain group of people. Right. And for you to find those people, you need to go through a bunch. Like for me, if you look at the statistics, one in a thousand ends up becoming a friend for life for me. And how it, it's not right. to say I don't help people outside of those six people. Yeah. But if somebody outside of those six people said, hey, Brendan, I need seven hours of your time. I need you to fly out to this thing. I would never say yes. I mean, no. But if one of those six people, like one of my best friends is getting married next year. Like, you know, like, I don't care if somebody paid me $100,000 to be there that weekend. Yeah. I don't care. I have to be at that wedding. Like, you could pay me a million dollars for the speech. I got to be there. Right. right? So, right. so that's, that's a good example. Okay. But the point I'm driving here, it's not really introvert versus extrovert. It's this unexplainable energy that you feel about someone as you talk to somebody. There's people that we know, like, right off the bat, you know, you meet them for five minutes and you're just like, God. Nope. <laughs> oh God. Like you're yeah. just like, and it's not that they're wrong or they're broken or something like that. Yeah. It's just, you, it, there's not a match there. Mm-hmm. But then you go to the third person, you're yelling at each other. You're both experts. You're just like, I don't know. I don't know what it is, man. This person, I just get along with really well. They're just That's, awesome. Right, right, It's right. unexplainable. You just got to go through it. So the answer to your question, if I look at my six friends, I would say... It's 50-50. It's pretty 50. mixed. I would say a bit more introvert, though. Maybe 60% introvert, 40% right. extrovert, right. something like that. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's very understandable, you know. Um, I guess you do have to go through a lot of people to understand who you pair up with the best. And, you know, talking to you for a short amount of time, I feel that you're very confident and you back every single thing you say. And it seems like you're the type of person that can't be phased by anything. But Brendan, let me, let me ask you this. Since you've embarked on your journey as a speaking coach, can you name a moment where you've felt uncomfortable, let's say? Jeez, it was like uh, almost every day, man. But, but yeah, I'm happy to share. One of, one of the moments that I felt uncomfortable was um, when I started coaching kids. Because one of my business partners, well, my business partner, I don't have many, I have one. He came up to me and he was like, I got this idea. Why don't you start? Because I was coaching a lot of the executives, like technology executives. So it's like, why don't we start a program for kids? And we start coaching their kids. I said, oh, that's a cool idea. But I never coached kids before. So half of the kids in the first batch were amazing. You know, like, can I like just they ask would, how like, old were these people? Oh, these we're, we're talking between we're talking between the ages of six and sixteen. Right, right. Six, like some of these kids and they are already like really, want to be coached on how to public speak. Uh, it's, their, it's more parents. It's more their parents who kind of oh, push okay. them. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. 
but but the kids loved me you know it wasn't, it wasn't like a, that bad versus other teachers. so some of these kids right they were like super enthusiastic right. they're like wow this brendan guy's a youtuber this is so cool and they had a small fraction of the presentation like that were just like so it, i'd be like so are you excited for this they're like no i was like <laughs> those are the hardest man and they don't pay me a lot of money for the kids, right? It's more just like for impact so I can kind of understand yeah, yeah, how kids work so I can make better videos. So that was very uncomfortable for me. Like, I don't like coaching people who don't, who don't have that enthusiasm. Like, let's say for you, mm. I love being interviewed by you, Chris, because you're very thoughtful. You're asking a lot of great questions. This is a fun conversation. But I've also been in shows where it's just like, you know, like, you know, you know they're just right, rid- ridiculous. Right. Uh, sorry, I was about to say the wrong word there. Ridiculous. <laughs> Right, and, and they start the show. And they go, "Hey, so do you go on podcasts often?" <laughs> I was like, "I was like, one on one, one on one, bad question to start with." Yo, I, I'm literally just like, look, I'm not saying I'm famous or important or worth doing yeah, a lot of research yeah. on, but yo, like you can spend like a couple of seconds of your life just typing my name on Spotify and realizing that I've been on more than one show and just being like, okay. Let me just acknowledge him for that and ask him more specifics. Like, that's not hard, right? right yeah. So same thing. That, that was very uncomfortable. I didn't like mm-hmm. it. So, um, so after that, uh, that experience, I still coach kids, but I'm a lot more selective. Right, or, right. Or I've okay. changed up my techniques. Like, if there's kids I don't like in the class, then I focus a lot more on the kids that are, like, really excited. And then I okay. get them to be really good. And then the other kids get jealous. And they're like, I need to get really good now. Whoa. Hence the, that's the power of group coaching, yeah. So that's, that's one example. There's many like that. I mean, I started coaching executives when I was 23, Chris, mm-hmm. like that was super uncomfortable. They're like 50 years old. Right. Right. That, that's how my business partner and I met by the way, cause he's in his forties. He's super smart, like very intentional. I'm very happy that he's a part of my life. And you know, he was like very open to my feedback, taking notes. And half the time I'm talking to him, thinking in the back, I was like, why is this guy listening to me? <laughs> He's like too open-minded. Obviously, my advice was good. I'm not saying it was bad. I just had a lot of insecurity. So that was very yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't have it anymore, but I had it when I started. Yeah. Especially when the factor of age comes into play as well. Absolutely. And you mentioned in one of the episodes, actually, is that the important thing is not to think that you're just a younger person, is that you actually got a head start. Absolutely, man. You know, a lot, I, I tell a lot of young kids, especially if I am one, right? In the sense that a lot of people are going to tell you you're young, that you got a lot of time. I think that's BS. I think the real lesson, take it from someone who's successful and young, the lesson is you have a head start. So don't waste it. Don't waste your head start. So I completely agree. You got that right. In those moments of uncomfortability, what would you have told yourself different to handle the situation better? Right. And, and I say this to a lot of my, my students and the people I've coached over the years. Always do the harder exercise. What does that mean? It means if you're afraid of starting a podcast, do 10 episodes. If you're afraid of presenting a subject you know, practice presenting a subject you have no expertise in. If you always do the harder exercise, everything becomes easier. That's what I would have told that person. So for example, now, that I have a successful client who's six years old under my belt. Well, if the next kid who comes up to me is 10 and they're not sure they can master communication or they're a bit nervous, for me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be able to deliver that result with full confidence because I did the harder thing. 
So for me, it's always about doing the harder exercise. Figure out what the 10x difficulty is, and that will make the actual scenario a lot more easier to deal with. So thank you once again for listening and tuning in to this week's rendition of The Clinic. And if you did enjoy Brandon's speech and motivational talks, you can go follow him at Master Your Talk on Instagram. Everything will be linked in the description below and you can go watch his videos at Master Talk on YouTube. Um, so Brandon, before we do go, how was your experience here in the clinic today? Dude, the clinic was great, man. I was well taking care of those biscuits and everything. I'm happy, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I hope everyone has a good Black Friday online, shopping online, wearing masks online. And uh, thank you once again for listening to this week's episode of The Clinic, where your conversations are always unserious and personal and where your opinion is key. My name has been Chris, and I've just been your therapist in this week's therapy session. And we hope to see you soon. Bye. Oh, I don't even say that. Soon. Soon, lads. Soon. <laughs>